Welcome to Carlos and Lisa. I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesco. Welcome to the program. This is a big day because it's the Friday before the Academy Awards. Is this on the Friday? This yeah. is Friday? Today's Friday? Today's Friday, oh, Time flies, man. It's I had no idea that like it was that. Friday. Just like that. I and wore my Oscar best You dress. look very nice. Very, <laughs> yeah, I wore my Oscar worst. Yeah. You know, I think I've never, I've never been to the... I've never been I've never been... Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I like this tie. My wife gave it to me for Christmas. So, I've never been to the Academy Awards. Have you? I have actually never That either. would be a real treat. I have had, a, obviously, a lot of friends. We've had a lot of oh, friends yeah, in television, of, friends of course. Yeah. The red carpet Fancy and all friends. Very fancy friends. <laughs> Although I will say all of my fancy friends who go and have to sit on the red carpet, are n they never really like it just yeah. because it's a long day. It's a bit of a grind, yeah. It's a bit of a grind. But it is like the Super Bowl for movie fans and celebrity watchers. This is yeah. the night that all these A-list actors show up in Hollywood in their best, best designer. Gowns yeah, you know, best designer dress to walk that yeah. red yeah. carpet at the Dolby Theater. It's a very long red carpet. I mean, they closed down Hollywood Boulevard. It's a big deal. I know that red carpet is like it's thousands huge. of feet. Like it's so long, it and there's media. It takes them two weeks the to prepare. Two weeks. Do you remember when it just rained? Just to get the yeah, they had to put the. They put the whoops, tent. We need a tent. <laughs> <laughs> so no rain in the forecast no. this weekend. So it's going to be uh, a beautiful, beautiful day for the Academy Awards. Now you know it, this. The, the Grammys, of course, happened recently with Co uh, Co Kobe's passing away on the same day. It was right. just a horrible thing, and then they. And they managed to pay tribute to Kobe Bryant. And it looks like the Oscars might be doing the same thing, yeah. paying tribute to Kobe Bryant, who means so much to the Los Angeles community. Well, and, and if you're trying to scratch your head and think, like, why would the Oscars do anything? Like, how, what's the connection? Um, Kobe Bryant actually won an Oscar mm -hmm. in 2018 for his five-minute autobiographical short uh, film titled Dear Basketball. He also did the voiceover for it. He it wrote was it. Beautiful. Yeah. It was so well done. And right. uh, the Oscars so well deserved. And it was great to see him there. And, yeah. you know, the joy of that, having crafted that beautiful piece. So, so yeah, they are so, going to do yeah. a tribute to him at some point in the, they, they're still kind of working on what it's going to look like. Yeah. But uh, controversy is never far away when it comes to the Oscars. Always. What happened? No no female director nominations? There's a lot Again? of things. There's a lot of things uh, happening. Do they so not this. learn? <laughs> There's a lot, there's that, yeah. but then there's also the, that hashtag Oscars so white has resurfaced again this year because of the lack of diversity in nominees and it is staggering. I don't even know how they're ever going to fix that, but despite being recognized and nominated at the Golden Globes, Critics' Choice and Screen Actors Guild Awards, big name actors like Aquafina, Jennifer Lopez, Eddie Murphy, who was hilarious and really good in Dolomite, mm -hmm. uh, Lupita Nyong'o, mm -hmm. Greta Gerwig, and Jamie Foxx, all of them snubbed for their roles. And these roles were not just, they were critically acclaimed films. Yeah. They yeah. were really great films. These weren't just BS films, no. like, fun, like hilarious comedy, like summer fun blockbusters. No, right. these were like critically acclaimed films that they should have gotten nominated. And they, in fact, did get nominated for in other, in awards. other award shows. Right, so right. the Academy tried. You remember this. Do you remember, like, when the, the Oscar So White hashtag became a thing a couple of years ago? Yeah. The, the Oscar, the Academy, the Academy, which is the group of actors that belong to this right. kind of guild, um, tried to get more diversity in the actual guild itself, mm -hmm. the voting public, to try and correct this Oscars so white thing. So they're falling back into their old ways. Nothing really changed. I know it changed it, for it a couple right of years. It went right back to the whole the old way, and that's. And, and I know they've been trying to, but you know it's like the same group votes, so that doesn't change. And you know this is this is old Hollywood doing its thing, right? 
Yeah, and which I mean, is, really old Hollywood. There's, there's, that's a, there's the other a, thing. an established Hollywood group that really controls the Academy Awards, and I think that's what they were trying to change. Yeah, and they did for a couple of years, yeah. or at least took a couple of steps in the right direction, and now here we are back again. The other problem. That's the what other, I said. The, 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 the female the, directors. Come on. So um, a complete lack of any kind of female representation in the best director category this year, despite the majority of the critically acclaimed films of 2019 actually being directed by women. How is it that they can make these great movies and then not even nominate the director? I don't understand. I, I never get that. I don't I, understand how that works, I, what's in their head, how they, 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 you know, they factor all these things into it. But uh, when you have a great film, the director obviously had something to do with it, or the, or the actors and cinematographers. Like this should be like a you know all across the board, but yeah. it just somehow missed. Well, again, and you know when when they announce, you know how they do the announcement of the the, mm -hmm. the uh, nominees oh, yeah. every year. So Issa Rae, an actress who's very very funny, she <laughs> was the one that was um, announcing the names of all of the best director yeah. nominees. Oh, I <laughs> remember at, this. Yeah. At the end, she looks straight into the camera and she goes. Congratulations to those men. <laughs> and then, like, cut. <laughs> I'm like, what else are you going to do yeah. but, like, call it out? I mean, you know? I know. And, you know, uh, I remember uh, Catherine Bigelow in, back in 2009 for The Hurt Locker. Only one ever. Uh, an amazing film. And she's an amazing director. And she continues to make great movies. And, but 2009 is a long time ago, kids. That was the last yeah. time a female, and the only female. I mean, she's not the only female to ever be nominated, but she's the only female to ever be, yeah. to ever win an Oscar in the director role. So one has to ask a question about what is the Academy's role in the film industry? Right. I mean, they have to kind of do a 30,000 foot level look at what the Academy has become, what it represents, what it should be as new and you know, emerging filmmakers come in and new directors and new actors. This has become, it's a global business. Yeah. It's not a Hollywood business. Well, I, I'm sorry to say, yeah. it is a global business and, and we're in a global uh, creative community. The Oscars don't reflect that. Isn't they that do sad not. though? It's really sad. You know, I mean, you wanna I wanna believe that and I know it's a fact, but I feel like Hollywood is run by the same five people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And they're pretty much white yeah. men. And one of them's on, on trial right now in New York. All right. And he's done. Right. That's <laughs> but that's true. You know? And so and so the yeah. So like you're saying. So yeah, it's a global business. But when these same five guys run it, they're not giving up their control. So I know. so when when or if do the, does the Academy become irrelevant? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, or question. at least the Oscar, not the Academy, yeah. but maybe the Oscar ceremony. I, I remember the old Hollywood back in, in I'm oh, going to say, yeah. old Hollywood, they used to have parties. Yeah. Like, everyone would get together and they would ask Elizabeth Taylor what she, who she was going to vote for. <laughs> and that was like a thing. Oh, yeah. Where they all get together and they go, okay, well, let's vote. And, and mm -hmm. so, you know, there's something to that, I think, that there's clubs and cliques just like they were in high school. Of course. There are cliques in the Academy. Of course. And whether it's a, the Academy Awards or the Grammys or, or the Emmys, they're all they, all of these cliques are there. Yeah. I don't know how to democratize that. Well, I don't know the what, they, what the answer is going to be. But like, I feel like other award shows have done so much better They've in tried. becoming yeah. more diversified. Yeah. And the Oscars is like trying to hang on to the stronghold yeah. of the old way, and it's just not that way anymore. Well, they're still I mean, the granddaddy theory. of all the award shows. They're of still the most course. prestigious. Of it's course. still the biggest show in the world when it comes to movies. So. Yeah. 
I don't know if they're ever going to change or if they're ever, certainly not listening to us. Well, of course not. <laughs> I mean, they should. But if you are, but... nah, pay attention. You know, you know, there might be something, something good in it, a little silver lining in there for the I Oscar will, statuette. I will say, totally an irrelevant comment to the Oscars with these like serious topics that we're trying to talk about here. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, it is like my Super Bowl. I love to sit there <laughs> really? and I watch the red carpet for like hours and wow. I just like, what are they wearing? And I want to look and I want to write, write my own scorecard of like, this is my favorite dress. So you just brought something very interesting up. As a spectacle. It's a spectacle. It's amazing. Right. Okay, so the people walking, the glamorous people, the beautiful, most beautiful right. people in the world, the most talented people in the world in right. that area. Yeah, there's no question. The award right. show, eh. No, the show itself yeah. kind of becomes irrelevant. Yeah. That's what I'm I, I seeing. I liked it in back in the Bob Hope days, the Johnny Carson days, the Billy Crystal days. The, well, those back in the those, day. Those the were Billy Crystal great, days were good. great shows. Yeah. But things haven't changed much. So there you go. Well, it is Oscar weekend. We actually, uh, Tiffany Taylor is here from The Hollywood Reporter yeah. to actually break down who is going to be, who she thinks is going to be winning in those big categories. Yeah, yeah. So we have a great show. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Still ahead, his art is world-renowned, and now he's showcasing his creations at the Hotel Bel Air. Meet Derek Gores. And later, actor Michael Madsen is here, telling us about appearing in the Oscar-nominated film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, plus his new documentary. has a unique way of creating art by strategically placing these scraps of material into these beautiful collages. He's been named the artist in residency at the Hotel Bel Air for the Oscars, and he's here. And I want to ask him about how you manage to see art in little scraps of paper, little scraps of material. How, how did that all start for you, Derek? Oh, goodness. Well, when I was younger, I think I was, I was more of a realist, you know, hyper-real with my pencil drawings, and collage gives me a way to be more loose and expressive about it. So I'm, I'm still able to uh, create an image, as you noted, but it's made up out of, out of all these surprising textures, uh, text, words, um, you know, photographs, near and far. I enjoy kind of a, an optical illusion of different spaces that you see when you're looking at the art. Uh, all right, so I want to talk. So here's a, a piece of your art that's on the screen right there. And there's video, a video element in it as well. I mean. And I'm, I'm looking at all of these things. How in the world do you put that together? <laughs> well, yeah, so in addition to the fine art, I do commission pieces for, uh, for you know, commercial use. This was for Rinascente, the uh -huh. uh, beautiful Italian luxury department store. And they had me do their ad campaigns in 2018. So I made the pieces all using their collateral and then made those cool ads as well. So, it's so, so you much said fun. something about near far, which I find really interesting because uh, you know, people who, who uh, I guess it was called, what's it called, pointillist or the, uh, sure. is, that, is that what it's called? Yeah, pointillism with the dots. Pointillism, yeah, yeah with the dots. And that, that's the very oh. first time I was exposed to that where, you, you know, the artist is working with dots and then you step back and you see this amazing piece of work. Yep. In similar fashion, what you're doing is, is a form of pointillism, but it's, it's because up close it doesn't look like much and you get farther away and you see the image. You're right about that. Yeah, that was during impressionism. Impressionism, right. and this is all post photography, where people are starting to see see how images could be built in different ways. And you're right. I definitely play in that realm. I love it when uh, people see my work from far away, and you sort of see a main image, but then you get up close, and it melts into these uh, you know other little dreamy spaces that yeah. kind. Of, to me, it feels like triggering memories or or 
peripheral vision or you know the, the way the, the way your intuition can think of different things and, and make associations, that's I get to play in that realm in my art. So is it the chicken or the egg? Do you start with the scraps and then create the art or do you have a picture of the art in your head and then go and find the scraps? Awesome question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Uh, that's why they pay me the big bucks, right, Derek. Right. I just want you to be clear well, on that. Well, it, it's, it's both. I mean, the initial spark for me can come from a single scrap. Sometimes it's, oh, look at those colors or, oh, look at that word or look at that texture. Most often I, I have a main image that I know I'm going to make, uh, starting with like a reference picture that I usually take. And so I might chisel out a basic shape, but then what I use to make it is, uh, is a surprise to me as much as it might be to you. So it's one, one scrap at a time. So an artist would have, you know, cavity in red and, and ultramarine and blue, and, and on their palette, you have scraps in your palette. And that's what you use for your that's for your true. work, right? I'm I'm picturing my studio at home right now, and I have this <laughs> assistant, and my, my mom helps sometimes, and my kids, and they all, you know, it's how to harness that that chaos. In fact, can I grab? Yeah, I bring, yeah it shows. Yeah. So you brought I, a piece. I brought a, a baby appetizer-sized one here. Here, all uh, yeah, I can hold it. I sure. can ban it for you. So yeah, you can see that. Hopefully, you guys can see the figure. But yeah, then, we'll as we it. get up close. We've got text, in fact, it says Hollywood right there. Got little bits of like jewelry and I don't know if that's chain link fences and... And some of the writing thematic to the piece too? Not, not really. Okay. I, uh, I will say that usually I use things like fashion magazines and travel magazines, things that have like kind of luxurious, positive, you know, escapist textures. Mm. But other than that, no, I don't go out like looking for exact things. I like to move faster than I can think about it so that the end result <laughs> Uh, is surprising and and you know I can even I can look at them and be like oh look at how that plays with that and yeah do you have like a drawer full of these things <laughs> like do you have a storage space full of scraps good question I, I have a bit of a system I mean I have a I have a bookshelf filled with all the great old magazines fashion and travel and, and older things and then uh, and then I do sort them kind of like like you mentioned with the cadmium and there I do mm -hmm. kind of have a bin full of warm colors, cool colors, black and white, and then I have like a special folder that nobody can touch that has like the shiny metallics and Aha. things that I save for the perfect rainy day. And what do you put on the top what do you, to preserve it all? I use, I use fancy artist glue that, that stays clear and then I use a UV varnish to protect the work in the end. And then tell me what it's like for you when the hotel called and was like, we need an artist in residency for the Oscars. Yeah, I know, it sounds fancy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds super yeah, fancy. <laughs> so what does that mean? I know the exhibit's going on throughout the month. So tell sure. me what that means to you. Well, I, I love collaborating, uh, and that includes the spaces to hang them. In addition to working with a gallery, I, I enjoy uh, just the surprise of different spaces to activate. Mm -hmm. So, for example, at the hotel, in addition to hanging on some of the walls, I'm, I'm in some, some outdoor spaces. They have gorgeous bougainvillea tree that at least for opening night I have a couple butterflies that are hanging from the tree little Beautiful. surprises like that that, that keep us uh, keep you keep you guessing as to you know just just how art can engage a space well this right. so you can see his art at the Hotel Bel Air uh, the artist in residence there Derek Gore so so Thank great you to have coming. you here we appreciate it you bringing this piece Beautiful. absolutely thanks right. for having me what a treat we'll be right back Next, the Oscars and luxury go hand in hand, and watches are a point of luxury for many. How you can find the value behind your wrist styling piece, next. This segment of Carlos and Lisa is brought to you by Malibu Watches. Find them at MalibuWatches.com. 
So do you have an old watch sitting around collecting dust in a drawer in the back of a closet? Well, you might have a treasure on your hands. Founder of Malibu Watches, Henry Salamati, is here to tell us how to recognize a gem that you might just have somewhere that you know you don't even realize. You don't even realize. Hi, Hi Henry. Henry. Hi. Good to see you again. Thank you for having me back. You know, when I was a kid, my grandfather had an old bull of a watch that I, I absolutely wanted. Yeah. He gave it to my brother. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> but I'm sure that bullet, because it was very thin, beautiful, very elegant watch. It looked really great on my grandpa. And I think you just kind of fall in love with those things, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's so many reasons why people fall in love with watches. Yeah. So yeah. Tell, me, tell me about how many times do you have a customer or somebody come to you and say, hey, I have this old thing. I mean, does it happen a lot more than people think? Constantly. Really? Honestly. Yeah, because it's not just Rolex and Patek Philippe, right? There's so many brands these days that are worth a lot of money that people have never heard of and don't think they're worth anything. Right. But they really are, and the market has risen tremendously. What so, does that mean? Yeah, yeah what does that mean? Yeah. Um, that means, so I can give you an example, actually. Tell me. So I have this watch from 1968. Uh -huh. It's nice, but no one would think it's very valuable, I mean, right? To be fair, it's yeah. a, I love the color. I love the, I mean, it's beautiful, but. Yeah. It looks like I could go to any like surf shop and buy one that looks like it. Exactly, right? Yeah. Right? But to a collector, this is very significant. So How much is that worth? About twenty-five to $30,000. Jeez! Why? Yeah, very, because it's extremely rare from a top brand and was the first diving alarm watch ever created. So Diving alarm watch? Yes. Wow. Yes, Interesting. So. But OK, so what, what should people be looking for in their house if they have a watch? Like, what should they be looking for? Is there brands that they should be looking for? Or is it how old it is? Um, you know, I think people like a watch with a good story. So they like dive watches. They like military watches. They like, if, even if it's a normal watch with a great story from the owner, that's, that's worth money. So I don't, I, it's hard to pin it down. I say, yeah. always reach out to me because there's so many different elements that can make a watch valuable. Yeah. Um, so I think part of the, the valuation of these watches, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. So you, you, uh, you have a, a transparency policy that you, you make sure you, they, you reveal everything and you find out as much as you can? Exactly. So that was the opportunity I saw when I started this business, was there's so many people getting very little for their watches mm -hmm. because the offers they were getting were not substantiated. So what I do is I go through, what is this watch worth? Let me prove you by actual data of what it's sold for. And exactly what it is, and then we'll come to a deal after that. Yeah, so. because you you know, in your head you see like all the movies and the cartoons <laughs> of the guy on the corner with the with the yeah, watches all in his, yeah, in his right, in his in his thing. He's like, hey, you wanna buy a watch? <laughs> but like that but I mean obviously they'd say it in the movies because it probably happens, True. maybe not to that extent, but it certainly kind of a little off business. Oh, absolutely. That happens too much. And my, I'm much more interested in building a long-term customer base mm -hmm. and rep my reputation in the, in the US um, and abroad as well, mm -hmm. much more than getting a profit on one watch. So that's, right. that's why transparency is so important. Is there a place in the world that makes watches that's better than the other? Like everyone thinks Switzerland is the place. Is, there, is, that, is that true? Is that like Swiss movement is like the big thing? That is true, yeah. Really? Um, Switzerland does make the top brands, and you see that going back. But there's also a lot of other brands that were made in the U.S. that do contain value. So it's Switzerland is the top, but there's still a lot of other obscure ones that are working. Do, do you have um, a favorite brand that you like to have available to your clients? Is there a certain type of... I'm trying to give people at home an idea of... You know what they could, because I know they're going to watch this and they're going to start digging around and be like, what do I got? What do I have? What, you know, what is there a specific brand that you like or is it all brands? I mean, 
honestly, Rolex and Patek Philippe are the two most sought-after brands. Yeah. Okay. So that is the truth. But again, there's so many other ones. So I always say, I, it doesn't matter what it's worth, just reach out. I am yeah. obsessed with watches. I love to and receive these inquiries. Just let me see what it is, and I'll help you through it, because there's too many exceptions. Let's go to the other end. Yeah. Timex, Seiko, some of these watches that seem to be pretty run-of-the-mill. Are there unusual watches in that, in that group? Absolutely. I just sold the Seiko for four thousand dollars. What? <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> so, oh my that's goodness. unbelievable. Yeah. So the Seiko vintage Seiko market is actually booming right now, because um, there's a lot of interesting history behind Seiko's worn in war in Vietnam and other things. So right. and in movies as well. So interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, the people that I mean, I would imagine that you have to have a sp specific kind of buyer that wants these kind of watches. Yeah. So does the market go up and down? Like, do you have to be selling your watch at the right time to get the best money for it? Absolutely, yeah. Really? So collectors' tastes change a lot. So right now, steel watches are very valuable, more than gold. But in the past, that's been different. Mm -hmm. And larger watches right now are very in, but in other times, it was small watches. So it's very important that you understand those market dynamics. Yeah. yeah. And so would it be better to just in that case, so say if I have an old vintage gold watch, would it be better for me to hang on to it now? Maybe wait until it cycles back into something um, that's when I'd recommend you come to me and we'll, and and we'll go through out. the market, yeah, and we'll discuss when, when's the right time to sell. All right, so how do we find you? So you can find me by calling our number. You can find me at MalibuWatches.com or on Instagram, DM, and follow Malibu Watches. Yeah. And that MalibuWatches.com is It's beautiful. Yeah, there's it's some beautiful gorgeous. watches on it. All right, Henry, thanks so much. Thank you for so being here. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Next, taxes are no fun, but part of life. We talk to an expert who explains all the things you need to know this year. And later, actor Michael Madsen has a new documentary called American Badass, how it all came about and the many famous faces that appear. Carlos and Lisa, I'm Lisa Remillard. And I'm Carlos Amesco. It's nice to have you here. All right. I, I know you're excited about this. It's get, official. This is really, get really The excited. IRS is really accepting now. They're happy to accept your completed tax return. <laughs> Rejoice! <laughs> like, when aren't they, when are they not happy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're right? always happy to get your return. All right. In fact, the IRS is expecting about 150 million returns from taxpayers this year. And most importantly, you are probably wondered, wondering, when am I going to get my money? When am I going to get back? my yeah. money back? Lots of people rely on those returns to pay bills or splurge on something special. Why don't they just put it on, you know, in a savings account? Why don't we do that as Americans? Yeah. We don't do that. Last year, the average tax return was almost $2,900. There's a lot of things to know when you're filing your taxes this year um, for 2019, and that's why we asked our very dear old friend. Uh, he is not old. However, he is a longtime friend of ours. The coolest tax man around, Rafael Tolino, is here. Hi, From Rafael. the IRS. Thank you so much. Nice Hi. to have you here. I appreciate Good all the kind words. First of all, I am kind of old. You can kind of tell. Okay. I'm losing my hair a little bit. No. Gray. And then, by the way, your, your thing is cool, but who the, who the heck uses paper anymore? Oh, oh see, so that's what you were pointing at. I was like, why are you pointing? You know, electronic filing is a big people thing People do, now. And, I, yeah. and I'm sorry, people yeah. do, but it's very much the minority. 
Really? Yeah, you e-file, convenient. I mean, everybody is e everything these days. Everything is. Including that. returns. It really is the simple and easiest way to do it. Is so. it anyway, so I'm just making no, kind of poking I, fun at that. I appreciate that. Um, is it true that you get your return <laughs> faster if you file e-file? Yeah, e-file, direct deposit, so a paperless tax return is 21 days or less for most. Uh -huh. If it's a little longer, do understand that behind the scenes we have a lot of filters, detectors, preventers, screens, if you will. We don't want to send fraudulent money out the door to begin with because identity theft and all the things we're seeing with that and security and tax security and cybersecurity, mm -hmm. we're doing the best we can to prevent that from going out the door to begin with. So mm -hmm. if it does take longer than 21 days, do understand there might be a reason that could be it. But generally speaking, 21 days, three weeks or less for most. You know, uh, when you get a refund coming back. Every year there's something new in, in, with our returns. But 2019, there was a big, lots of changes. Uh, what were the biggest changes? Well, 2017, we had a huge law, the Tax Cups and Jobs Act, yeah, right. TCGA mm -hmm. for short. And that fundamentally changed taxes as we know it. And I think the repercussions for that are still being felt because this is the second tax year we're taking care of returns where you file for that. So December 17 came aboard. So 18 tax year, that was our last year mm -hmm. that we administered that. And going forward in 19, still a lot of folks don't quite know or realize that taxes changed so much that it may affect you going forward just as it did last year because the patterns were changed so much based on the fact that, that law came along and upended everything based on people's normal patterns. I don't know how we keep up with it. it well, Honestly, that's yeah. a solver for it. Yeah, right, right. And, 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 and tax professionals, you know, yeah. that kind right. of a thing. Right. As long as you do an accurate, honest return the first time, that's all you can ask. Um, is it, and is it true that all the standard deductions went up? Like you can... The standard deduction was doubled. Yeah. All right. So as a taxpayer, you get to take whatever you have on a, on a Schedule A that's itemized, right? Mm -hmm. Or you take the standard. That's the, we take the greater number. Well, what happened was in this new law, they went away with dependents and exemptions are gone, doubled the ex, uh, standard deduction. So a lot of folks are seeing they're taking the standard deduction because it's so much more greater, or is greater, if you yeah. will, than, than Schedule A. Yeah. And so you can take the bigger number. And that's, okay. that's the bottom line. And now what's on a Schedule A, your charitable contributions, your medical and dental, your state and local taxes, your mortgage, real estate, all those kinds of things. If all those don't add up to the standard, which is 24,400 married filing joint, half of that for single, then you're going to take the standard deduction to reduce right. the tax. You shouldn't pay any more taxes than you owe. We've always discussed that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, uh, you want to reduce legally uh, what you pay, of course, based on your situation. Um, is it also true, I was reading an article and I, I want to ask the expert, um, is it true that there are fewer audits this year? The audit numbers have been reduced in the last several years, and that's Why? a resource issue. Okay. So if you look at the statistics, the statistics bear this out. So I'm not just pulling this up, and you're not saying that because you don't know it, but definitely the amount of resources we have going toward audits are, are, are reduced. But that doesn't mean they don't happen, because letters in the mail go up by the tens of millions, well, several million. I don't know yeah. if it's tens of million, 20, 30 million. But we send a lot of letters out, and those are correspondence, and that's saying, hey, the IRS has a certain number that we have, mm -hmm. Because you're W-2, 1098, 10, that's all matching stuff. Mm -hmm. We think maybe something's different here. Or based on the information on your return, is something here, so we'll send you a letter in the mail. And that still, that still happens, and that's part of the whole check and balance. But, but yes, uh, the statistics are bearing that out. The electronic filing systems, you know, as you mentioned, that the people are doing that more and more and more. We're getting rid of the paperwork. But it still seems that there's, there's official notices that have to come by mail because people are getting phone calls saying that you owe money for taxes. And, and you've told us many times, you don't call people. Yeah, under no circumstance, a phone call out of the blue, threatening arrest, uh, asking you to pay taxes immediately. We don't do that. You have every right, by the way, to appeal anything that you're assessed by IRS. If you don't agree with it, you don't have to just pay it out of fear. Mm -hmm. You might say, hey, look, IRS, you're wrong, I'm right. Here's why, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And no emails, uninitiated in your inbox, click on a link, provide this, that, and the other. 
That's scammers using the IRS as a lure, if you will, yeah. as we've discussed right. before. But our method is letters in the mail. Mm -hmm. Letter in the mail, letter in the mail. If you ignore that long enough, you may get a phone call, but it's courteous and professional, not threatening and demanding. Right. The other thing is, yes, um, most everything is done IRS.gov, there's task-based tools there. We want to send you there first before you call or uh, go face-to-face -face at, at an IRS office. But the letters in the mail and the correspondence is still there. But at the same time, we're moving like everybody else is to try to get folks to take care of business online. Yeah. Uh, so save yourself the hassle and the convenience. Right. And we do have a resource issue, I'm not going to lie, yeah. uh, in terms of what we have to provide. So mm -hmm. the website and doing it that way is definitely more convenient and time-saving. Um, when people are sitting at home, like trying to do their taxes on their own, if they don't have a tax professional helping them and they're just trying to navigate it themselves, which obviously people have can do, um, are there overlooked deductions that people don't think that they need to be yeah, taking? Plenty, for sure. And a lot of folks shouldn't overlook them. And your, your tax software should lead you to those based on what you put in. It's going to ask you certain questions, right? Mm -hmm. Tax professional, if you're my tax pro, here's our stuff. You might say, hey, Rafael, you know you qualify for X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to go, oh, great. Or you almost qualify, maybe next year if you do this or that, you can get, so, uh, but overlooked, the earned income tax credit's big, and that's lower to moderate income individuals and families for having earned income. Mm -hmm. uh, child and dependent care uh, tax credit is child a big care. one. Yeah, okay. uh, dependent care mm -hmm. as well. Uh, the savers credit, which is one of those credits for lower, these are all geared toward moderate to lower income individuals and families, mm -hmm. is how the system's set up. But, uh, but the savers credit, if you save to a retirement plan, you can actually get a tax credit for it. So saving oh. twice, if you will. Oh, that's so those, those kinds of things, education, there's a bunch in the education arena that you, you might want to know about. Uh, so there's a lot out there. And you want to take advantage of every single one that you're eligible for, legitimately, of course, mm -hmm. to reduce the tax you pay. We hear a lot of commercials on the radio. If you, you know, we can get your taxes reduced to nothing if you haven't paid, if you haven't filed a return. Are those true? Does that actually happen? Uh, so be wary. Nobody can guarantee you anything unless they know you're full and complete situation. And so I've heard you've heard those yeah. and they say certain things about certain programs that have been around for a long, long time that they're kind of saying, hey, this can help you. And we have the flexibility to help people, no question yeah. about it. In fact, you come directly to IRS, we'll work with you. You don't necessarily have to go to that's a That's not what the commercial says. Yeah, the commercial no, says not. you're bad guys. Well, yeah. that's that's the portrayal, if you will. And we don't yeah. have a stance on 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 how that, that business works. Okay. We're, I'm just saying, look, if you want to work directly with the agency, you've got a, 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 an obligation you haven't taken care of, come to us, let's yeah. work. We want to be a hinder and not a help. Now, you may have to pay penalties and interest. Wait, you mean the other way? You yeah, want you to be a help, be a not, help a not a hinder. Yeah, what'd I say? <laughs> the other way around, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, yeah, I got gotcha. no, no, no. We want to help you and not put <laughs> a roadblock. Right, right, right. And nobody's sending a paddy wagon after you to send you right. to jail, no. Right. It's to try to get you to come back into compliance right. as best we can. Right. At the same time, uh, you have to be in full disclosure, if you will, sure. but we'll work with you. But it's up to you. If a taxpayer wants to go to a third-party rep representation firm, all good, no, but do understand the avenue is open directly to the agency, and that's that's always been the case. Yeah. All right. Rafael Tolino, always great to see you. Thanks. Thank well, you for making, good information. Yeah, yeah, really appreciate making it. the yeah. time to come out. It's yeah. time up already. It was so it was So, so fast. <laughs> can we have more time? You guys just make it so we easy. We can talk about your volleyball days if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> they're in the past. <laughs> Uh, and we won't we won't mention how, yours. No, no. no you were a spiker. I was a digger. There you go. Carlos's days. No, no. All right. But uh, thanks, thanks for so much. Thanks, always Rafael. always fun to be here. Appreciate. It. We'll be right back. Next, the Hollywood Reporter's Tiffany Taylor is here, breaking down this year's Oscar-nominated films. Who will bring home Oscar gold? Yes, we're talking.
talking about the Academy Awards. It is upon us. This is kind of the culmination of award season. So we asked our insider from The Hollywood Reporter, Tiffany Taylor, to come in and break it all down for us. All right, lots of great, great nominations and some snubs. We're going to talk about the nominations first. Yes. Hi. So Hi, nominations. Tiffany. Hi, guys. Hi. You know, I love award season. And what's amazing is that when I first met you guys, we talked all about, you know, what films were going to be buzzed about this right. award season. They were getting buzzed on the festival circuit. And so many films we talked about now have won a lot of awards this award season. See, so here you go. You need to watch Carlos and Lisa. And when <laughs> Tiffany is on, when you're doing your little Oscar pool in the work, we know what's up. So you've got to watch us. <laughs> okay, right. keep going. Yes, yeah, so here, we'll start with Best Actor, right? Yeah. So Joker is nominated for 11 awards at the Oscars this year, the most out of any movie. And a lot of people think Joaquin Phoenix will win Best Actor for Joker. Isn't Leonardo DiCaprio also in that again? He is, yes. Yeah, and he's nominated for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And obviously, Leo has a complicated past with, with the, the Oscars, Oscars right? Yeah. Yes. He was you know, snubbed for so many years, never won. Then he finally won for The Revenant in mm -hmm. 2016, you right. know, that movie with well, the bears. Of course. Amazing. Of course. Oh, he was incredible. He finally got movie. it. But, yeah. I, you know, I feel like Quentin Tarantino also has such a love-hate love, relationship <laughs> with the Academy as yeah. well. So he might, Leo might be in the running. Exactly. And I mean, people love this movie. Once right. Upon a Time in Hollywood received 10 Oscar nominations. So mm -hmm. it's right up there by Joker. So he could take it too. But then there's two first time nominees in this category, Antonio Banderas and Jonathan Price. So, but we also could see maybe Adam Driver take it for Marriage Story. This marks his second great. Oscar nomination. He's great in that he movie. He's great in that movie. So, but it seems like it might be a race between Joaquin Phoenix and Leo, I think. I'm, I'm rooting for Antonio. Of course. I love Antonio. He's such a good actor, and I, I really hope that's, this is his yeah. day. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about actress. Best actress. This is a stacked category, in my <laughs> yeah. opinion. Yeah. There are so many women that I think could get it. Well, this should, that should also tell people at home that this year, more than any, we're really focusing movies on women. Great roles for women, for women. you know, in, about in this, women, about women, yeah. made by women, which we will talk about in a second because the director category is questionable. <laughs> <Yes>. However, <laughs> females actresses go. Yes. Yeah, so best actress, a lot of people think Renee Zellweger is mm -hmm. a front runner for this category. She won at the Golden Globes and people love a comeback story. You know, she yeah. is amazing in Judy and she hasn't been nominated for an Oscar since 2004 when she won wow. for Cold Mountain. Wow. She won best supporting actress this year. but. What's kind of crazy is another nominee this year, Charlize Theron, also won an Oscar that year. She won Best uh, Actress for Monster in 2004. Uh -huh. God, Monster was in 2004? Wow, a long time <laughs> it's ago. It's a long time ago. And okay. she's amazing in Bombshell. She really she embodies great. Megyn Kelly. And when you're watching her, it you feel like you're watching Megyn Kelly. It's <laughs> it, like a transformative performance. Yeah, yeah that, bomb, that Bombshell movie was really great. And the acting, of course, superb. Obviously, Charlize getting a nomination for it. But then also Scarlett Johansson received a lot of love from the Academy this year. She's nominated for two awards for two different movies, Best Actress for Marriage Story and the Best Supporting Actress for Jojo Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Those are her first two Oscar nominations ever, wow. so we could see her breakthrough this year, but also Cynthia Erivo nominated for Harriet. Amazing performance in that movie. Mm -hmm. But what you guys might not know, she actually, if she won an Oscar, she'd be an EGOT winner. She has a Tony for The Color Purple, right. a Grammy, and an Emmy. So if she won at the Oscars, she'd be like the unicorn. Yes, yeah. she'd join that exclusive EGOT club. Yeah. But then the last nominee in this category, Saoirse Ronan, oh, at age yeah. 25. Now she is the second youngest actress ever to win four, not win, but be nominated, nominated. for yeah for four Academy Awards at this wow. point in her career. The other youngest before her is Jennifer Lawrence. So a huge name, but Saoirse Ronan's never won. Wow. She's amazing in Little Women, so this could be her year too. So 
Best actress is a stacked, stacked category. Yeah, well, there's so many great performances there, so that's that's anybody's game, I think. Yeah. Let's talk about um, movie, the best movie. Yes, best picture. Okay, so I think the top three contenders for this are oh. 1917, yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Obviously, they both won big at the Golden Globes right. in their respective mm -hmm. categories. They each have 10 nominations at the Oscars. But I think somebody who might sneak through who didn't do very well at the Golden Globes, The Irishman. People, really? Yes. I mean, it also has 10 nominations. Right. And well, with that cast. Yes. But people thought it would perform well at the Golden Globes, and it didn't. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe it gets that big Oscar love with Martin mm -hmm. Scorsese as the director. Sure. But I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood might get it. I mean, when you're you know talking in to the Hollywood. Academy, yeah, right. it's a movie about Hollywood. Hollywood is voting. Right. So um, I also want to just mention this again because it's kind of become a buzz is that the there is there are no females nominated in the director category, which has become a problem. Um, and even though there are great female directors out there, yeah. they're just not getting nominated. Yeah, and Little Women, directed by a right. female, Greta Gerwig, is nominated for Best Picture, and it also got a lot of awards love in the performance categories, Best Actress, Best Supporting mm -hmm. Actress, but then didn't get that director nomination. Right. And there were a few snubs that we saw this year. Jennifer Lopez, snub for Best Supporting Actress, yeah. for Hustlers. Mm -hmm. Also, then, I mean, Frozen. Frozen 2! Yes, yeah, Frozen 2, snub for Best grossing anime. animated film of yeah. all time. Amazing. And yet didn't get that, you know, animation nomination. It is nominated for Best Song, Best song in a yeah. movie for yeah. Into the Unknown, but... Uh -huh. And and Beyonce, no not no nomination for her Lion King song. No, yeah, no nomination for Beyonce. Two big names, J Lo and Beyonce, didn't get nominated. They got totally snubbed. <laughs> wow. And I think they would have made the Oscars fun, right? Totally. We we want that superstar power at the Oscars, but they won't be there. There so. you go. And oh. no host again for the there, telecast. There it is. There yes. Mm -hmm. And right. I think what they're trying to repeat is that last year they really saw the ratings go up with no host. So mm -hmm. trying to keep, the show moving. keep, keep that going moving. forward. Keep it moving. Well, good All luck right. to everybody. It, good luck. It's going to be a very <laughs> interesting award yeah. night. Thank Thanks, you, Tiffany. Tiffany. Thank you, guys. Next, Michael Madsen tells us about working on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Plus, he talks about what it means to have Quentin Tarantino in his new documentary. You know him from films like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a big, big film, hot film, and also Kill Bill 1 and 2. And now Michael Madsen has a documentary called American Badass, and he is here. Hi, Michael. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You're like the, the most likable guy in the world. Why would you name a film like that? Well, Because that's uh, what your roles are, no, right? No, no, it, it, it's a joke. It started a long time ago. Uh, it started out with Kid Rock, I think. And, uh, he was the American Badass. Mm -hmm. In fact, when they found out I was going to call it that, I got a, a phone call from his lawyer. <laughs> Yeah. A, a lovely, a but, gentle, but, a gentle phone call. No, the kid was really cool because he apparently said, you know, Michael Madsen, well, I guess there could be more than one American badass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I took that as a compliment. So <laughs> the documentary really, I mean, all obviously you've had a long career in Hollywood and there's yeah. been a lot of really big name folks that you have worked with and that have worked with you along the way and right. all of them appear in this movie, What this documentary. What is it like for you to hear Folks like Quentin Tarantino talk about you. Folks, you know, all I, of these big names. I think Quentin was the biggest addition to the whole thing. He talked a lot about our friendship and the times we worked together. And I mean, having him in there was really what I think made it work on a lot of levels. There's a lot of guys in there that I worked with that I wish had been in it. That uh, It's pretty hard to get that group together. It's hard to get people to do something like that when it's so personal. But, uh, but they all love you. <laughs> yeah. These guys are fans. Well, you know? I love them too, yeah. uh, especially now, but just kidding. Uh, 
everybody came across in such a nice way, and it turned out to be a much more personal thing than I expected. And uh, it's uh, nice for my kids, I think. You know, it's nice for whatever those things are meant to do. That moment with Dennis Hopper to me is like, you guys are like, like twin brothers. Did you feel that way about him? I know Dennis for a really, really long time, and uh, uh, he said the most amazing thing to me one time. He says, you don't really like acting, do you? <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And he goes, well, what would you have been if you weren't going to be an actor? And I don't know why I said it, but I go, well, I, I, maybe I would have been a carpenter. And he goes, <laughs> look what happened to him, man. <laughs> Wow! Wow! <laughs> you know, yeah, it was like wow. That's, that's one of those Dennis Hopper right, answers. Right, right. That's a Dennis Hopper. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. He wrote the foreword for a book that I wrote, and uh, and I wish I'd have known him uh, longer. Yeah. I uh, yeah yeah. I saw him when he got his star on the on the sidewalk in Walker Fame. Right. So um, you obviously we talked about Quentin Tarantino in this documentary, and obviously yeah. you have been in multiple films of his, including Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which yeah, is yeah. a huge Oscar movie. It's I mean, a good picture. It's it, very... what was that like to kind of relive those that story? Well, I remember when I saw Hollywood Boulevard; it had been recreated to be exactly how it was in like 1968 or 69, and that was pretty exciting. Yeah, that was really cool. I mean, nobody but Quentin can really get away with that kind of thing. I was just glad to be a part of it. I had a small role, but uh, uh, he's hard to say no to. You know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> he really wanted me to be a part of it, and I was happy to do that. And uh, there's a bigger version of what I did in his cut of the movie that you can see at the New Beverly. Uh, it's a great film. I got to shoot with Leo, and uh, and Leo was really great to me. Uh, I had got hurt in a in a stunt in Puerto Rico, and when I was going to shoot with Leo, I was kind of fumbling my lines around and. And he was looking at me, and thank God it was lunchtime. <laughs> and he goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, I'll show you. And I had a great big purple black bruise Ooh. on my hip from oh. something that happened in a picture. And I said, well, I'll just, you know, show you. Yeah. And he goes, Michael, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. He goes, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. He goes, I'll help you through this. So when we shot, he was right there for me, and I got my lines right, and uh, he didn't have to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. It was a nice, gracious thing for him to do. He's a nice kid. You know, it's, it occurred to me when we were uh, talking about having you on our program that yeah. Kill Bill and, uh, was one of those movies that that apparently impacted Kobe Bryant significantly enough that he adopted the Black Mamba from that movie. And you have I a connection to, to that. I went to the last game that was ever played at the Forum hmm. uh, with Kobe, and it was Dennis Rodman got kicked out of that game, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I don't remember what year it was, but... Um, because I had done a couple of movies when I went to the game, I got to go in the locker room. And I got an autograph from Kobe Bryant. Mm. And I'll never forget that. I, my son probably still has it. And uh, it's one of those things you don't really think that much about it, you know, until something like what happened. Mm. A couple of years later, I made uh, Kill Bill. And uh, unfortunately, I, I get killed by some snakes. Right. And they're Black Mamba snakes. And I guess uh, Kobe liked that movie very much. Mm. And that's where he got his nickname from, so. Yeah. You know, it's a strange connection to have with somebody like that, but uh, such a tremendous, gigantic loss for everybody, including my sons. He was a boyhood hero to my boys, you know? Well, you he talk, really was. You talk about your, your kids. You have 
I would five like boys? To, five yeah. boys, yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, girls have five as well, so a lot I of get responsibility. it. Responsibility. Okay. So a lot I of would, testosterone. All right, there's a lot of that running around your house. But I want I want to know what what do you hope that they take away from your long acting career? I know at least one of them is also kind of following in the acting yeah, there, world. There's actually two of them. Two of them. Now. Okay. Uh, my other sons are are doing something different. They're carpenters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, one of them, in fact, is. He's a carpenter. He also writes music and he has a band. Oh, wow. And, uh, but what would you like them to take away from your time? I'd like them to figure out something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a tough job. It's not as big and glamorous as most people think. It's, uh, it's either feast or famine. You're either busy and working a lot or you're doing stuff you'd rather not do just to pay the rent. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's not an easy life. I come from Chicago. I was a blue-collar auto mechanic, and my boys grew up, you know, rather uh, differently. And uh, I'm I'm happy that they're following my footsteps, but and I I want them to do as best as they can. If that's what they believe in doing, I'm there for them 100%. But uh, it's not the uh, it's not the uh, parade that you think. It's well, you know, you, you play a tough guy in almost all of your movies. And uh, you, you get this mean streak, but all I all I feel here, here is love and a sweet guy, and I appreciate. I'm a good actor. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a terrific actor. Him An American badass has got to win some Academy Awards. Yeah. Just go on the festival, right? Maybe. Festival round. Yeah. One of these days. Yeah. We'll see. All right. If I'm lucky. I, that's why I'm on the show. Well, we want people to where. Well, <laughs> people, want, well where can people see happened? it? Where can people see it? Is it? Is well, it, it has to play first in the got in it. that thing and. And then it'll probably get picked up somewhere, hopefully, All right. by. All right. Well, we wish you the best of luck. Mom. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for being here. We Thank appreciate you. that. Great to meet you. Yeah. Thank we'll you. be right back. Thank you very much. Monday on Carlos and Lisa, he's a familiar face to many after years in daytime soap operas. Actor Sean Kanan tells us about his role as executive producer and star of Studio City. That's Monday. In honor of the Oscars. <laughs> okay. I, I love this. Yes. Forget the gym. Oh, okay, I'm all about that. I'm also <laughs> all about it because apparently going to the movies is just as good of a time. How, how do you how, explain that? Okay, so researchers <laughs> say that sitting in a movie theater counts as a light workout because Ooh. being immersed in a film gets your heart rate up. Yes because you're like focused and you're intense and your heart rate goes up. And so they studied people and it turns out. Wow. People that were intense and focused on a movie, yeah, their heart rate it. was the same as just like a light walk. Wow. Well, you know, some movies are really intense. Right. Like, you know, uh, the Tom Cruise movies and stuff. Where you, yeah, like you the know, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible and all movies, all the stunts and the great stuff. Yeah, people can get real, look at this guy. The, yeah, <laughs> see the other thing it does for you, the, it's also good for your brain. So not only. Oh, really? So not only are you losing weight, but also you're doing great things for your brain. Because you're suspending reality, you're making your brain work extra. Yeah, yeah. they're. The, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. The researchers say that you're you're it, you're forced to focus on one thing and concentrate and think about it and remember and recall. Eating popcorn. Well, light that cardio. Too, that's adding <laughs> light cardio, right? And then and instead of like how doing a million things, you're doing one thing, so it's helping your brain and. It's like a light workout. That's amazing. I'm going to go with that. 
It's probably a bunch of BS, but I'm going with but it. But the truth is we do so much multitasking that we rarely focus on one thing. That right. we have to co concentrate on what we're looking at and what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. You want to get the story. You want to see the scenery. You want to dive into the movie. Mm -hmm. I love all that. Well, the other thing is that the problem problem solving that your brain does do. Trying to guess. Trying what's to guess happen. is yeah. also really good for yeah. your brain. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So there you go. Another excuse to sit around and watch movies. Yes, and the Oscar goes to Lisa Remillard. <laughs> thank you. Thank for, you. For you like me. You really, really <laughs> like me. All right, that'll do it for us today. <laughs> that'll do it for us today. Have a great Oscar weekend. Uh, you can watch us anytime on Beyond.TV. That's B-E-O-N-D dot TV. And if you just want to listen, check out our podcast. We're on all those podcast all platforms. platforms.